Hi guys, Paul from the Complete Personal Trainer Podcast and Ultimate Performance Coaching in our third episode of our communication series. And this one's more about things that influence our communication before it actually occurs. So what I'm going to be talking about is our cognitive biases that influence our beliefs about the procedure, the training program, the treatment system that we are looking at and how that actually influences our communication to our clients and therefore our results. Sorry about the, for the people who watch this, the bright light behind me. So the two main cognitive biases that I see that affect therapists and trainers and coaches, because I, I coach both, um, the two biggest biases that make an impact on their ability to communicate effectively with the clients, uh, the confirmation bias and also the selection bias. So I just want to touch on these a little bit go into that and how they are negatively affecting our practice. Now, first thing with any kind of cognitive bias is that we cannot get rid of all our cognitive biases. It's a, it's a noble goal, but they exist for a reason. These rules of thumb, these heuristics that we use for our decision-making process, they are very, very useful for a lot of different things. And that's why they exist. They're useful. They save us time, energy, and resources cognitively to make decisions. But they don't always serve us. So being aware of that, how they don't serve us, where we could possibly be falling victim or falling prey to them, and then being able to make changes for that are gonna make us A, better practitioners, more aware of the things that we're doing wrong, and then more aware of how we're communicating things to clients and then the impact that that can have on their perception of our treatment and or training session and their perception of us as an expert or as a fixer, which we talked about in the last podcast. So the confirmation bias is basically gravitating towards information that supports your beliefs. So this happens a lot of the time. This is where you see a lot of cherry picking going on. Um, in the literature, people will look for studies that just back up what they say all the time. Uh, a lot of people have been doing this with foam rolling recently, looking for stuff that supports their use of foam rolling. Um, another one is caveman reasoning, I guess, which is where you think something is, you know, Maybe wrong, like, oh, the joint's out or whatever it is, and manipulation uh, helps improve that person, or they roll out their, their piriformis, for example, and then that confirms that you are right. And you've jumped to a conclusion without considering everything else that can be going on. So now, this is where confirmation bias is a little bit tricky, because when you're training people, um, when you're assessing people, when you're uh, training, coaching, treating, etc. Uh, it is something that is very, very useful. Recognizing patterns is really important for solidifying how quickly you can come to a conclusion and how quickly you can come to a treatment process for a client. But it's we need to be aware of this all the time. Uh, so we need to be aware that we can actually really get stuck into this pattern recognition and we start seeing things and they're not really there. We start seeing the same problem in every single client. A big thing I, I feel in the fitness and health industry that has been affected by this particular cognitive bias is gut health. So all of a sudden, everyone's gut health expert and everyone has gut health issues that need to be addressed and need to be treated. And yet the individualized approaches for them seem to end up being quite the same. So everyone seems to get the same supplement protocols, the same nutrition protocols, etc. And that there is the next part of the confirmation bias. You think because the person has done this, has done this particular protocol or application, they got better, it should probably work for everyone. And that's not really the case. So not only do we lose objectivity 
in our assessment of what's going on with that particular client, but we also lose individualization in the treatment or training program for that particular individual. The other thing that happens with the confirmation bias is you tend to discount everything that else that kind of works with people. So I've seen this with things like, it's a tool called the PH360, which is a questionnaire survey type thing, which tells you what biotype, archetype you are via questions, which I think it's absolutely inane. But anyway, there probably there is always some value to any tool in any system. I just don't think this tool has very much. And people are starting to look at people like that, and they're trying to find information that supports that particular belief that people are like that, and that will work for them. And yet they'll ignore the fact that we know that surveys don't work for pretty much anything else. Even psychometric evaluation is heavily flawed and there's particular influences that can come into that. They will just ignore that type of information because it's had worked for them. We see the same thing with the keto people. Uh, and I'm not picking on ketogenic diets in particular here, but I have seen this before where I've had clients who are following, who do better on carbohydrates because they're performing sports that require a lot of carbohydrate for actual performance, they're saying they feel better on higher fats. Yet when I look at their body composition, their energy levels, all their subjective and objective markers of biofeedback, they don't feel any better. And then they're actually performing a lot worse. And then they go, oh, well, what about this fat adapted athlete? Well, that's not you. That's just looking for confirmation bias that what you want to do is being done successfully for someone else. Now, unfortunately, that doesn't ever mean or well, doesn't, not ever, but it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Now, the next one, and we'll stick with that one, is the selection bias. So this one's really big when people uh, start doing new courses and they start going down the continuing education pathways. Once they finish their Cert 3, Cert 4 in fitness, for example, or they finish their baseline qualifications in musculoskeletal therapy, and they start going into specialized courses. So it's the same thing with a new car. So when you buy a new car, you see it everywhere. Amazing. Um, it's because you weren't aware of it before, now you're aware of it, it comes and creeps into your consciousness at all times. So in this case, people, you know, you learn the corrective exercise protocol, an assessment protocol, a treatment protocol, and then bang, you just, everyone seems to fit this criteria. So we've seen this a lot with the expression compression model, expansion compression model that's become really popular due to the PRI. Uh, Postural Restoration Institute School of Thought. Suddenly everyone is compressed in their posterior ribcage and needs to work on reaching rather than pulling. Uh, and everyone's got, doesn't know how to find their heel, for example. And the thing is, because it's a system, humans can kind of make anything fit to make sense of the world. So it's not that it's this system's necessarily bad. I'm studying it myself in detail at the moment. But it's the fact that when we start studying these new tools and these new systems, we start noticing these things more and more and more. So what we want to do is we want to make sure we maintain a level of objectivity for any kind of new treatment, system, programming design tool, supplement, anything basically that we look at, we look at the benefits for, and we try not to apply it to every single client. An example would be fish oil, for example. So fish oil, Really good for, the cardiovascular, for cardiovascular health, potentially good for joint inflammation, number of benefits for it, okay? Cool, let's give it to everyone because everyone could benefit from being healthier there. Not really an individualized approach, not really a client-centered approach, and you're just applying a selection bias to everyone. 
So guys, when how, how do these things influence our communication to stick on to the main point of this uh, series? Is with the selection bias, how it influences our communication is very, very simple. Same with the confirmation bias. When we see something, we become more sure of ourselves because we've seen it, we've recognized the pattern, we start applying it to more and more people with certainty. Now, for the people that that will work for, fantastic, it works. Uh, it's really good, but they then start becoming reliant on you as a therapist because you found the problem that fits your confirmation, your treatment fixed it, or your training program fixed it, they think you're a guru. Not a good place to be because it takes away autonomy from the client. Um, so what you want to do is when you are applying these new tools and communicating to your clients, it's more maintaining an attitude of humility and awareness that the system and your tools and your recognition of these patterns does have a limitation and to communicate that honestly and clearly with your clients. So in our next podcast episode, I'm going to talk about how to communicate when you aren't sure about what you're doing to clients when you work with them. Thanks heaps for listening, guys. Leave a review, five stars at least, my God. And any questions, hit me up on social media. I'd love to chat to you. Speak soon.